You sound happy, Richard. Well, why not? It's just a couple of weeks until March the 29th. Grexit Day. Grexit? Um, what's that? Grumpcast Exit. Hmm. Look, ever since we started 13cast, we've been tied to the Grumpcast feed. And soon, we'll be free! What's wrong with that? Look, it's a matter of sovereignty. I want us to take back control and manage our own destiny. Crikey. Mm. It seems to me we've not had to pay for hosting. We've had access to all the Grumpcast subscribers. It sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Look, look, there might have been the odd benefit here and there. But we have to live in the Grumpcast shadow. You know, what if we want to do deals with other podcasts? Um, what sort of deals? You know, deals, deals. I mean, perhaps we might mention each other every now and then. Really? And have you um have you lined up any of these other podcasts? Well, look, look, not exactly lined up, but I've, I've identified a few possibilities, and thirteen casts has followed some of their Twitter accounts, and one of them even liked one of our tweets. But what about our listener? Sorry, listeners, have you agreed with Tim how we handle the border between us and the Grumpcast? Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I'm not sure I follow you. Well, there are a few. Strange people who listen to both 13cast and the Grumpcast. I mean, if we can't decide how to handle the line between the two, we might need to have a backstop. A backstop? Yeah, um, listeners to both podcasts might get confused unless we're very distinctive. Our music, for instance. We might need to have a custom tune in them. I thought this was going to be easy. How did it all get so complicated? Complicated? We've hardly started yet. What do you mean? There'll have to be a withdrawal agreement. That's like a divorce settlement. Hmm, well, that sounds nasty. Not nearly as nasty as all the subsequent negotiations. Like, um, who gets to keep all the silly voices? <clears throat> look, look, this this is all just sounding like too much hard work. That's it. I'm resigning as Grexit Secretary before anyone starts talking about a delay. Typical. Mm. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Hello, everyone. We're back with 13 casts for one episode only, or at least until next year when season 12 debuts. But don't worry. The team behind 13Cast has decided to create a new podcast, which we're calling Something Who, and we'll discuss that later as well as trailing what the concept is. But first, let's say hello to the team. So, uh, hello Paul. Oh, hello. So, so Paul, recently back from uh, LA, I understand, uh, and the, the Gallifrey Convention, I imagine the punters were talking about little other than 13Cast. Yes, they were... <laughs> Definitely talking very little about thirteen cast. Sorry, that was that, that was what you said, wasn't it? <laughs> something, something very like that. Uh, Giles, hello. Hello. How are you? Long time no see. 
Great, uh, great. Thanks. So, Giles, you've been um, you've been recently, I imagine, to the Fitz Tavern uh, evening with with all the, uh, the you know the great and the good of, of old school fandom. I imagine Ooh, yes. they have been talking about Thirteen Cast all the time. They talk of little else. We certainly have a couple of regular listeners there, at any rate. But uh, I try not to hold that against them. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, hello, Richard. Hello, everyone. Glad to have you back with us. I imagine Simon that that, that thirteen cast is also a, a, a large topic topic of issue on the uh, the terraces uh, following Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about well until until Thursday night they had little else to talk about, mate. To be honest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do, have, have you have, have you got a thirteen cast chant? <laughs> the moderators are wang. <laughs> <laughs> And Mike, Mike, tell us that uh, thirteen cast has hit Australia. Oh, look, it's just it's just huge here. Um, yes, um, yeah. Hi, Richard. It's it's good to be here again. Um, oh, yeah. Look, it's it's just massive. It's um, yeah. Look, people just stop me in the street and say, "Oh, aren't you on thirteen cast?" And how they know this, but you know. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just oh, it's huge. It's 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 bigger than changing our prime ministers. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Sadly, we, well, sadly, we would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't. Well, uh, yeah. You can change prime ministers. <laughs> yeah, every five minutes. <laughs> no, you. No, you vote once, and you're stuck with them until the end. Oh, of the end of a week. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's undemocratic. Mm. Anyway, science fiction. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yes. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that we're all dealing with our newfound fame so well. That's 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 delightful to hear. Okay, so so just explaining our opening sketch. So in starting our new podcast, uh, something who we've agreed with Tim that it's about time that we got our own podcast feed. This last thirteen cast, uh, I imagine if you found it, you probably found it via the Grumpcast feed. But something who starting next month will have its own feed, and if we do come back to thirteen cast for, for um, series twelve, then that will appear on on our new feed as well. And uh, if if you're interested in hearing that, then our Twitter feed uh something who something underscore who will let you know when and where to look but i'm sure if you're if you're desperate to find us then you'll find it somehow and then one last thing to say about that is that we had a bit of fun with the sketch but it's thanks to tim that the grumcast got off in the first place got off the ground and uh, he asked several of us to contribute to it which you know we, we really enjoyed and without that 13 cast wouldn't have happened he's so very it's, very it's, much a uh, jean-claude juncker as it were, of, um, <laughs> of, uh, complete, complete with the drinking issues. <laughs> uh, yes, I feel the sincerity of the thanks is being lost here. But but anyway, <laughs> thanks, Tim, no, for, thanks, for Tim. that. Yeah. And um, and we hope that you might some at some point join us uh, in, in our endeavour, given that uh, you won't have to talk about Season 12 or indeed Season 11. So, OK, something who, what is it? Giles, you came up with the idea. Do you want to talk us about what it's what it's ah, about? Me, me. Oh Lord. The basic concept is to, is just really comparing stories from Classic Who with stories from new from the post two thousand and five series. So I don't really like the terminology new Who, but essentially a bit of a compare and contrast, looking at identifying stories that have got similar themes and looking at how differently they've been handled in, in sort of the new and and old series. I believe it was you that came up with the title, wasn't it, Richard? 
Well, yeah. It, well, it was sort of Mike. He, he wrote he wrote a, a line on on the screen which said that we should we should go with a title that was something who related, but the related sort of f- f- uh, fell on the next line. And I looked at something who, and I thought, well, it sounds a bit like that old rhyme, you know, something old, something new, and and that's certainly what we're doing. We're we're, we're bringing something old and something new together. So something who kind of felt like it would it would work, and and certainly nobody's used that before mm. as a title of a podcast. So we had that going for it. We might be about to find out why. Let's give it a chance. Uh, I mean, the good news is we've got about 50 Twitter followers before any, we've actually done anything. So, I mean, at least some people are mad enough think it might something might come of it. Yep, thanks, yeah, Mum and good. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've had our trailer, um, yeah, the video trailer, so there we go. Hmm. And it looks good with the, um, with the type setting, with, the, um, with something on the top line and, um, and who on the bottom line in the traditional manner. Like, like the old Target book logo. Well, exactly, yes. Yeah. Mm. Classic logo. Okay, so we thought... We why thought we'd, why we'd, have they never done that with the new series? I, don't, I just don't understand. Is it some... Has, has type screen TVs. Has type, I suppose so, probably. Just It just feels so natural to set Doctor above who, as it were. But mm. nobody has ever... Hmm. Strange. Anyway, never sorry, again. that's a bit of a tangent. Hmm. We're, 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 we're nothing if not for this tangent. So, mm. we've, we've we've two pieces of, of unfinished business which we we thought we'd bring together. So so one of those was sort of final thoughts on on series eleven uh, because this is indeed thirteen cast, but also to encourage our thirteen cast listeners a tryout of the of the something who format. So we thought, well, what about thirteen cast meet something who? So uh, we're, we're going to finish off our, our discussion of Series 11 by comparing some of the Series 11 stories with some of the classic stories. Uh, and we've, we've picked three in particular, three pairings, which we'll run through. First of which is the Keys of Marinus and the Ghost Monument. So who came up with that? Um, <laughs> nobody's taken <this> <laughs> Did anybody think that while they were watching? Oh, definitely, yes. It, yeah. it wasn't a completely unique opinion mm. afterwards, was it? But what, I think. The, um, I mean, yeah. It, it, both stories, the crew traipse across an alien world on something of a of a quest, and then uh, looking at it, um, Keys of Marinus, Ghost Monument, both have pretty rubbish monsters in them. Uh, Keys of Marinus has those things with flippers and the board. Oh, the board. Take that back. The telly. <laughs> I'll hear no, I'll hear no look, words against the Yate leader of the alien board. Oh, well, they they just look like Teletubbies to me. <laughs> um, and then that hadn't in occurred the, to me. In the in the ghost monument, we've got those dreadful sniper bots who couldn't shoot straight. Mm-hmm. Um, we had those awful tow rag things that floated around and smothered people. Mm-hmm. And then we had. Uh, Jeremy and Jemima posh mercenaries mm. who were pretty hopeless as well mm. so after the after the girl who fell to earth and it, it got off to a great start it was a bit of a let down the ghost monument mm. Do you think people are saying the same about the keys of, of Marinus? About, you know, after a wonderful Dalek story and the exciting adventure of the caveman yeah, but even so it's, um... <laughs> but that was a fresh it was, I, I guess it was a big fresh. old come down after Marco Polo isn't it yeah, who knows? I mean, it was uh, rather than being two stories into a new series, they were five stories into the entire thing, run of Doctor Who, and it's still finally itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the uh, most novel thing about Keys is that 
it's changed its stories within a story, isn't it? Yes. It changes yeah. its setting as it's going along. Mm. Now, you might have just about thought that you've got a handle on your programme. I suppose you'd have a one part story, then three, then seven, two, <laughs> seven again. But now, this is the first time where you might be feeling seven. Oh, I know how this works. Mm. But no, where does it start? Where does it end? Mm-hmm. So that must be quite an exciting feeling back in 1964. Hmm. Certainly more exciting than watching the ghost movie. Yeah, this mm. is true. <laughs> well, you might be hoping for a change of locale, a change of pace, a change of tone, a change of something within the story, but really, for me, comparing the two, it's like the Keys of Marianas with the middle quarters taken out. It's just, the, it's just the beginning and end of the story. There's very little substance in the middle. No, mm. it's it's um it's very much um I'm with I'm with Tim with his famous antipathy towards the Keys of Mariners generally that um <laughs> there's um <laughs> just occurred to me that we've picked, we picked on one of the stories that he um he is um quite vociferous in his um in his dislike for usually but yeah I find myself warming to it just by comparison I mean although it is absolutely by the numbers in terms of how it's constructed and the quest like one key element per week kind of thing well i suppose it diversifies slightly from that and um the doctor goes on holiday of course disappears for yeah couple, disappears for a couple of weeks that's another format breaking um format breaking moment yeah, for yeah. the um, first time that happened yeah that's quite radical isn't it we've, we've only had to, uh, uh, what 14 episodes or something 15 mm. and then he disappears and then suddenly the doctor's not in it yes but um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm not adding up right, but never mind. It's twenty something. Hmm. <laughs> I think you could have got away with that. Half <laughs> that one this thing. Yes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least it heads off the heads off the heads off the offensive tweets. No, it's, um, it's, I didn't know how much that's deliberate about keys because it's actually got it's slightly less formulated than it could be because with six episodes, six keys hmm. to find, it would have been much. It would have been obvious to plot it the same way as the uh, later Peter Time scene. Mm. But somehow they mm, true. slightly muck all that up, don't they? And I don't know whether that's <laughs> because Terry wasn't paying attention or, uh, or he decided. I mean, putting that little um, mini whodunit towards the yeah, end yeah. lightens mm. it up, isn't it? Yes, um, yes, yes, definitely. And, of course, the other great thing it has is, uh, well, I say great, it has that twist, which isn't really a twist because we know. That's an Arbitan has been murdered in the post by Yeah. Uh, Yartek. Yartek. Yartek, leader of the alien void. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been a great. It would have been nice if it had been a twist for us as well as for characters. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It does give us that magnificent moment when um, the whole idea of Yartek in his in his rubber costume with his with his Teletubby yeah. antenna shrouded yeah. it, shrouded in a cloak and just a. And yeah. um, everyone gets to yeah. This is the perfect disguise. No you one will can ever write know. this stuff, Terry, but you can't. <laughs> but, but I mean, it is it is over a month before, so people might have forgotten by then. It's mm. a shame we um, it's a shame we didn't have that similar the prize that similar um, plot point in Ghost Machine. It's very Art exciting Malik. if Art Malik has been murdered and replaced by a, a, a board in Art Malik suit. <laughs> yeah. Anything, anything. Oh, that spy mm. thing. Mm. Actually, yes. the, the thing I noticed about, um, this is just a point about from the difference between the Keys of Marinus and Ghost Monument and for Series 11 as a whole is that there's one bit in Keys, um, the bit with the trapper, what's his name, Vassal, 
Um, the bit mm. where he starts eyeing off um, Barbara quite lasciviously. There's a bit of a sort of oh, yes. mm. bit of an adult bit that you don't get any impression at all in series eleven that there's anything really adult going on, or very little. Mm. And well, you know, in that early stage, there's that little bit, and you're thinking, well, that's a bit, bit, mm. Mm. yeah, yeah. Two different extremes, aren't there? I I, I, I I give you Alan Cummings. No, yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you are our arbiter of taste and things. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just trying to find a, 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 mm. you know, a counter to that argument. I think the sniper bots actually probably put me in mind more of um, the knights who say knee from from the keys of Marinus rather than the um, rather than the Vord mm. as well. True. In terms of being dis- in, in terms of disappointing execution of a bit more like the ice soldiers. Ooh, there's these, there's these frozen. Mo- yes, yes, exactly. There's these frozen, frozen soldiers in the ice, and that's an exciting concept. And when they, the, when you when you see them, they think, oh, okay, hang on, yes, just borrowed that off the set of the silence a lot, didn't you? It's just. <laughs> It's got an exciting concept, isn't it? It's like a series that doesn't know it's going to be going for another 25 or 50 mm-hmm. years. It's throwing away like big ideas like a jungle full of animate plants and mm. ice monsters and everything, week after week after week, as if the, as if the series is going to end in... Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's Terry Nation all over, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it was before Living that... plants! Uh, yeah, it was before that uh, Avengers story, too. What was it? Man-Eater of Surrey Green. So it came before that, so... It was fairly new concept, I guess, in that sta- at that stage. Mm-hmm. Certainly from TV series wise. Yeah, and the Ghost Monument has nothing to really stand up to the <laughs> to the famous gropey statue, the gropey statue of Marinus. <laughs> does it? yeah. Doesn't actually have anything to so, stand so up. So I'm, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up a, a little bit for um, Ghost Monument and say that the the scenery and the visuals are, are stunning, mm. and the music I think is is quite impressive. Mm. Now, I mean, I'm not going to claim that, that that a nice bit of music and some 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 pretty scenery add up to a Doctor Who story, but I think it, it you know it clearly has that going for it, uh, you know, in precisely the same way that that Keys of Marinus doesn't. I think I was kinder to it the first time we reviewed this. I sort of. Was it, my memory is the sun was the person who yeah. spotted yeah. the Emperor's new clothes soon and the rest of the sun. Yeah. But, I mean, um, the, 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 the thing that you that you mentioned, I think, at the time, um, Paul, was the fact that, that everything happens in a very linear fashion. There's yes. no parallel whatsoever. Mm. Whereas Baroness does have that parallel. I mean, it's not a lot of parallel, but there's a bit where where the Doctor goes off and does something mm. without the others. Exactly. It's like I said later in the series when I was mulling over, I couldn't understand why these top three companions were getting so little to do because I mm. assumed that Chris had plans for them, had a reason why he needed a bigger team. Mm. And and as the series wore on, I realised that he hadn't. He just thought it seemed like a nice number and set up for it. And um, we, we compared it to the, precisely this period, the early Hartnell days, when stories were long, people had to cover for each other when they went off to New York for a couple of weeks. And, and the Keys Marisol is a prime example. It's a story where things are constantly on the move. So you need coverage, you need people you know, regular cast to get split them up, yeah. shuffling the pieces around. Yeah. The Ghost Monument is the complete opposite. People watching Ghost Monument think that, oh, this is going to be like the Keys of Marinus, as some of us did early on. It's a triumph of optimism, yeah. which was knocked out of us as the series wore on. It's just in 15 minutes you can't tell that sort of story. So while there's nothing wrong with what we did get, it was 
a bad idea to try and tell that story in 50 minutes. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. Because there's very, I, I think you still could have done it better. You still could have mm. used what you had in a more interesting way. But that's fundamental. That's why we ended up with six people in line following each other across the desert. Yes, from, yeah. From, well, a, from A to Z in that, the end. And again, again, revisiting sort of one of the critiques of the series as a whole. It felt like the stories that Chibnall didn't write seem much more adept, whatever their whatever one's criticisms of them, they at least seemed a bit more adept at this basic mechanics of of just mm. splitting up the team and putting them in different and giving giving people subplots and putting them in different parts of the story so they could be learning different stuff. And Ch- yes, Chibnall's stuff all, all too often we really did seem to have this linear linear thing of everyone just sticks together and and shares out the dialogue between them. You can do it in 15 minutes, and one thing you could have done, it, it, it would have fixed the story, it would have injected a bit of pace into it, if people had been split up. You've got two unknown quantities, you've got the four TARDIS characters, mm. and two unknown people who don't like each other. There's plenty of opportunity for people to be double-crossing yes. each other, for somebody to... Yeah. And if it was about... If it had been about collecting six tokens in the way or something, mm. have people... Cheating each other to get them moving. Well, yeah, it's not. It's yeah. yeah it's, as you say, skipping it's, ahead, skipping yeah, back. Yeah. Changed that linear in temporary. Mm. Well, well as, as you say, as you say, given that it's a constructed goal that they're after anyway. Yeah. It's it would be remarkable, remarkably easy to actually insert another artificial MacGuffin into it, and you wouldn't even have to hide it. And it's so yeah. weird that they. It's supposed to feel like a game, and I like game stories. Mm. And we've discussed this. No, no, yeah. I discussed it with Tim, sort of explicit song maker. Oh, they, yes. They're not always as much fun to watch. It's not always that much fun to watch other people playing a game, but it can. So it's a tricky thing to write dramatically. But if you do it right, it can be very exciting. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't feel like a game in any way. Mm-hmm. Does it? And the thing is that I, I couldn't get over like the the Sean Dooley character. I was half expecting him to do the old double cross because he looked likely to, but that never happened either. Mm-hmm. And it's just like oh, this is just a bit sort of pointless and. I, this is actually the only story I've actually watched twice because I went back and watched it after speaking to Simon and about his opinions. And he was right. And I, I watched it and it was much less fulfilling the second time around. Maybe the first time around I watched it and I thought, oh, yeah, this is okay, blah, blah, blah. And there were a couple of nagging doubts. But then when I watched it the second time, pretty close afterwards, I thought, oh, yeah, I can see all the faults. It became apparent to me. It's a bit like uh, the Keys of Marinus, the second episode, where they, where they actually see the place for what it really is. Was it the brains of Morpho and that type of thing? It was a bit like that. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Metacritic. Oh, oh, that's yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Segway. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the, the odd thing is that at the very start of the, of the story, of course, the TARDIS crew does get split mm-hmm. up. You know, yes, you, yeah. You've got two of them on one ship and two of them on the other, but then that's, that's kind of solved within about five minutes or so and then it never happens again i mean one other parallel between the two stories is you don't want to go swimming on either place no hmm true hmm is... in chesterton dipping his tie in the acid yeah that's red planet isn't it is that it's red planet rather than keys it is someone yeah. isn't it is, is a boot isn't there isn't there a shoe or something there's a shoe i think yeah yeah <laughs> I think yeah, there's, yeah. there's some, something gets dissolved in acid. Yeah. It wouldn't be a Terry Nation story if something didn't get dissolved it's a, in acid. A vault. They find an empty spacesuit. Yes, yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes, that, that uh, very bad model of that mm. uh, submersible thing, like that little thing that they come mm. in. Yeah. And there's a ship which yes. is a lot better looking in Ghost Monuments. It's a similar sort of thing. But 
and it doesn't mm. have a leak and people There's a cardboard a cardboard board tumbles through a, a hole in the wall into it. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes. Okay, so so I think we do we've we've done that one and maybe ready to move on to the yep. next. Oh go on then, yes. Oh, I don't, is there any sort of um, confusion? Do we vote on it? Do we um, have a sort of thumbs up, thumbs down? Mark said of 17. No, no. We're just going to leave people with our piles of wisdom and they can decide. Yeah. I think Keys of Mariners so, for so, all its faults is still better. <laughs> Basically. Amazing. Yeah. It took season 11 to bring that Okay, sorry. Oh dear, Richard. hang on. This could get Richard awkward Moody. fast. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so so the next one we've got is the Green Death plays arachnids in the UK. Yeah. Well, here we have very definitely we've, we've got cod pertwee versus versus real pertwee, haven't we? And if ever, if ever there's anything that seems to be Chibnall's major influence, it has to be it has to be the sort of pertwee era. Mm. I guess moralising somewhat establishments. Yeah, well, managing to be both establishment and anti-establishment at the same time, I guess. Yeah. But yes, it's um, it's very much cut from the same cloth. Yeah. So you so you've got you've got giant invertebrates, you've got mines, you've mm. got industrial waste. Um, there's big business. Uh, there's there's a there's another scientist um on the block. Yeah. Uh, mm. In each. Don't. Uh, go on. Yeah, didn't we notice that Dr. Dr. Science, my favourite character, mm. yeah. Well, that was that was interesting, right? You, you, you've got Dr. Science, who wasn't very good at all, and then, if my memory says, there's Cliff Jones in the Green yeah. Death. He was a fantastic scientist, and he came up again. We don't, you don't. Fungus you don't, jaw. Yes. <laughs> Serendipity. Serendipity. They, you don't seem to have someone come up with winning solutions. And I was just thinking about Green, Green Death. You know, that was one of those stories back in the day that really got me hooked on Doctor Who. And I was thinking, wow, wasn't Classic Who really fantastic? And isn't Series 11 really tame? So yeah. in Arachnids in the UK, we saw the spiders given a sort of humane death by being locked in a panic room. And I was thinking, oh, that spoiled a good story. Yeah, it could have had a dramatic ending, and then I remember back, and I mean the the maggots in the Green Death—they actually had a humane death as well because they just got fed fungus. They tried napalming them and bombing mm. them, mm. and in the mm. end they just chucked them some fungus, and they all turned over and cactus. <laughs> Nature finds them. Yeah. I think so again that was go, on, Mike. So I, I think that um, I was going to talk about the, the the effects, like the spiders. Did the, but easily the best part of the whole episode because they really did look good. But in my opinion, the maggots in Green Death actually look quite good as well, certainly for the time compared to that dreadful fly thing that you see towards the end. That's just bloody awful. Mm. But mm. Um, which is typical of the era. I, I thought the maggots were quite effective. Like I guess that they may not look quite as good in HD when the Blu-ray comes out because you might be able to see bits and pieces, uh, a bit like the Captain Scarlet um, Blu-ray, where you can actually see the strings a little bit more. Um, something like that. Hmm. But I thought that there, were, there was parallels there and, you know, the, the waste and stuff like that. The sort of 
ecology message, um, which in those days in 73, when Green Death came out, was more about, you know, ecology. Now it's more about, you know, the planet and green. Same sort of principles, but it's now, it's now sort of, sort of you're, you're a green person or that type of thing. And, but I, I thought that that was quite good. And the big business thing, there's no mad computer, though, um, which is very mm. much a um, 60s to mid-70s trope, really. The, the computer going mad, and of course, it was taken to the the ultimate thing in Doctor Who with Face of Evil. Um, but I think that yeah, no, I think the, the effects were the spiders were really impressive, and Yaz had something to do, um, which was pretty rare for mm. season eleven. Mm. Um, but apart from that, it's just like mm, yeah, and the, and the bit at the end was a bit of a bit off putting. I thought it's just like yeah, stick them in the panic room and let them die, eat themselves to death or whatever. That's just it seemed out of was, sync with the whole theme of the whole series. I thought. There's another. There's a. You know, they're, they're, they've each got great monsters. They've also yeah. got big corrupt business. Yeah. Boss. The computer's marvelous in, in yeah. the Green Death. The the other parallel again. I, I was harking about it, thinking, oh, wasn't the Green Death marvelous? But they're also, you know, Arachnids and Green Death. They're both strong human interest yes. stories as well because. In Arachnids, Graham spends a long time. Um, you can see him grieving over the loss of his his wife, Grace, mm, mm. and then Green Death is so touching because of he's genuinely sad when Pertwee disappears in Bessie and leaves Joe Grant behind, mm, because mm. that that era was all about the Uni family, and some, mm, suddenly the family had broken up. So mm. that's quite touching and sad as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, and of course, yeah. it's where Mike Yates he loses his um yes. Still so, so lose it, isn't it? Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say that on that family theme uh, with, with with Joe leaving the unit family, you've also got Yaz sort of separating away from her family. Mm, in, yeah. Uh, Arachnids. Except she's um, not going to the Amazon. Although, of course, we. Yeah, and of course, we haven't got to know her family all that well, so it's not quite the same um, impact. You know, the interesting bit of trivia about Green Death, um, here in Australia we didn't see it for some time because it was banned for a while. So oh, did it? Yeah, it didn't, um, and it never got shown in black and white, which was, that's a positive. Mm -hmm. So season 10 mm -hmm. ended with uh, Planet of the Daleks the first couple of times it was shown, and yeah, Green Death was not shown until late 70s, I think. Um, so, yeah, so... You know, people would have known all about this story. Probably I knew about it because of the... Um, Probably the target was a target book out before then. Maybe, maybe yeah, that's where I knew about it. But it was out, before actually seeing it, yeah. maybe. Yeah. What did they think was particularly unacceptable? I don't know. Um, I would suggest it could be violent, maybe they don't it? like giant maggots. <laughs> maybe they were scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Look, there were a couple of other Pertwee stories that were not shown at all in the seventies: uh, Inferno and Mind of Evil. And I know why. They weren't shown. Uh, Mind of Evil in particular is quite violent, um, particularly the last mm. episode. Um, and Inferno, I think, is a bit disturbing. So, yeah, I can see the point there. But Green Death, yeah, it's not really something that you can see why it would be uh, banned or whether they would have cut it. Maybe the green stuff on the miner's face or something. I, I don't know. Mm. I haven't seen the, the sort of um, sheet about why it was banned. So it wasn't banned. It just wasn't shown, I think. They did have it, so they did buy it. Not unlike it wasn't like Dalek Master Planet or anything, um, mm. but yeah, seventy eight I think it was until it was first shown. So a couple of years, five years after it was first on here. Yeah, yeah. Mm. there you go. 
Yeah, fun, funnily enough, it was the uh, it was the first story that I saw in colour. Okay. Um, oh really? My my uh, my dad got a colour TV just about that time, mm. and so you know it was probably quite a good one because all the bright, vivid green mm. um, was. Uh, it's very uh, noticeable on the screen. Yes, yeah. Yeah. it's a good one to see in colour. Yeah. Mm. It's definitely one of those ones where I where I owe my love of it to the um to the novelisation because I read the novelisation long before I saw it on t- you know saw the TV yeah. version. Mm. I remember um yes the um the school school bookshop or whoever came around with that they would sell. Like you, you had a little catalogue. Oh yes, I don't know. Here's a little, here's a little memory for you. That's still, <laughs> for that's still of a exist. Age, My daughters yes. used to have oh, that. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you went around and ticked off, ticked off your yeah. books, and and uh, yes, basically anything with Terence Dix or Malcolm Hooks' name on the on the cover. It was like, mm. yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, so I had um, so I, that's definitely how I encountered it the first time, and so I was mercifully free of. Make any judgments over effects or anything like that, but yes, it's it's interesting because of course this is one of the first in the um, arachnids is obviously the first place where what seems to have now become a quite a widespread criticism of season eleven rears its head in terms of the Doctor letting people get away with stuff apparently and just walk away that the villain gets to um despite being fairly unspeakable and obviously a Trump, Trump analogy, mm. gets to just walk away and move on with things. And obviously mm. that kind of comes up in a couple of other places. And it's it's tricky. And, you know, it's in some ways you think, OK, well, is it changing up the... You know, in some ways, are you, cha- are you changing it up and avoiding cliches? But then are you also endorsing certain problematic... I hate that word problematic, but nevertheless, are you implying that the doctor endorses certain people's views when if you consider this um consider how Tennant brought down Harriet Jones with mm. malice forethought and yet apparently she lets she lets this scumbag walk away when he's clearly a menace to society. It's definitely a, it's definitely a mistake. It's not like anyone's I think arguing that she should have shot him in the face. <laughs> letting letting him literally walk away. Mm. Uh, more entertaining. There's, there's plenty of middle ground there about the ways the doctor can deal with Okay. Yes, he's always been a bit inconsistent. Well, not well. But yes, I, I, again, extremes. The way he treated Harriet Jones as a bit is quite shocking at times. Mm. Yeah, yes. Mm. It was another example of that thing Russell was just talking about how um, characters would find his characters running away from him. They'd be saying and doing things, and you look at them and think, "Where did that come from?" Mm. Whether they'd be good as or bad is like very certain and pleasant things. Oh, well, you shouldn't have said that. Mm. And yeah, I think that was the thing with Harold Jones. That was not at the beginning of the series when she was introduced. You know, and for her to go in that direction, and just in the storyline, Christmas Invasion, found that's what she was doing because that's what she would have done. She was mm. Yes, yeah. But, but I agree. The fact that the Doctor took such a hard line on her was, was just as um, thought-provoking in slightly eyebrow-raised way as, as the way he dealt with Nervous Face Trump. Mm, Chris North. Mm. Mm, Chris North. Yeah, big. I couldn't believe he was in it. <laughs> it's odd, and once again, we come back to the shameful underuse of Yaz, yeah. and the fact we have a ready-made, ready-made character with links to the Sheffield Police Force, well, yeah, and yet it, somehow, you know, worst, worst case scenario, you know, you only had to show her, her calling up her mates and 
get him arrested outside. Easy, easy, because the one thing she could for do possession of a, possession she, of an illegally held firearm. <laughs> she can't. Yeah, exactly. That would have tied it up rather nicely. That would have. Mm. If you can't think of a way for the doctor to, and you, you try to avoid the cliches of having the villain not trip over his shoelace and fall down his own mine shaft, mm. or something. You're trying to avoid those sorts of cliches. Or be eaten by a spider, <laughs> which I thought was going to happen. Mm. To involve the doctor, then brilliant. Yaz can do that in this episode, which she can't do any other week when she's on an alien planet in different times. Yes, Make yeah. use of her, but she forgets she's a policeman from the off mm. in this episode. As as we said at the time. most of the series, isn't it? It's a problem. <laughs> I think this is sort of indicative of, uh, of Series 11 in, in, in total, really, is that there's lost opportunities galore in through the whole series. Um, like you set this up, that Yaz is a policewoman and there is you know, opportunities for her to actually be involved in police work and stuff or having contacts, and it's mm. just forgotten about. Mm. completely by the end of the series like you wouldn't know that she was a policewoman it's just mm. disappointing really so go back to the differences between Green Death and, and so, mm. apart from the quality as a piece of drama I think the, the way that they are trying to do a bit of social polemicisness mm. is, is different yeah. in Green Death it's quite clear that the message is not I don't think it needed to be any more subtle mm. or complex than it because at that time, the ecological message was far less hacked, far less familiar. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So just, yes. To, mm. just to bring it to the forefront, like that was yeah. enough. Mm. We, now, I think if you're going to bring us some themes into Doctor Who now, I prefer if it was a bit clear and not leave you scratching your head as to as quite what the point of this. Is it a story about um, this linking unchecked late capitalism with environmental? Pollution. Is that what it's about, or is it? Is that why we have the Trump story and the, the apology? Is that why the hotel's built on the top of the mine shaft? But then once you start trying to combine these things, it just confuses the story. You know, with disparate elements that don't quite fit together. Mm. Mines and mines and whales bits. Mines that somehow mysteriously linked to Sheffield housing estates like hotels on top is just. A bit far fetched. Well, well, yes. It's just it's just a bulge job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's what you know. One another difference, I suppose, between the Green Death and uh, Arachnids is is the sense of scale. Because as you say, you've got the you've got the hotel, you've got the block of flats, you've got Graham's house, all of them somehow connected together. But that's all that we see, and the, and nobody seems to have noticed the spiders apart from Doctor Science. Mm. <laughs> um, so they can't be roaming that widely around Sheffield. Whereas in the Green Death, a couple of guys turn green and, and unit descends on the place. So so it, it it does seem a little bit different in in, in that regard. Bright green, apparently. Mm-hmm. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The maggots, the maggots are a bit of a, a sideshow as well, weren't they, in the Green Death? I mean, Boss was planning to brainwash everybody and take over the world, yeah. and that was a bigger threat in the end than the people turning yes. green and maggots and that, buzzing off as kind of, That kind of undercuts my problems, because it isn't just a simple environment, it's just because you've got a mad computer, so it's... It, <laughs> is, is it trying to warn us about the perils of mad computers, or is that just a bit of fun? Well, that might... Thrown in there that, slightly... Sorry, Paul. I mean, that might segue nicely into the next story we're going to talk about, which was Kablam. And I was disappointed that didn't really climb into big business and be topical and the abuse of big data and things like that. Hmm. The automation. 
So are, are we? Have we got other things we want to say about these two? Do we want to have our chew over of, of what we think about the pair of them? I think the only thing I'd, I'd just say it's 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 a bit of a trite point to make, but it's um, it's just it really just reflects or sums up what it's very strange that Chibnall, by all accounts, seems to seems to fixate upon the you know the Pertwee era, which is very much probably the most moralistic era of classic who mm. and and clearly you know and a lot of the criti- criticism of of him whether it be from the from the it's it's more pc than now brigade brigade as it were you know the ones to critique it for that or whatever is is people are critiquing it for taking a political message and yet it's it's strange that he does seem to consistently drop the ball on this on this stuff mm. When he, and you know, and I have, I have no objection to Doctor Who being political with a small, with a small p. So in some ways, it's nothing if it's not political. But it's just weird to see him, you know, fumble it constantly, fumble it. Hmm. Yeah. It's like he doesn't believe in it, isn't it? Which I'm sure isn't true. I'm sure he has an opinion on the world, his way that Russell is doing. Surely, yeah. Those ladies and gentlemen made the classic series, although. Mm. Most of them kept it hidden. They were not American. No, but but <laughs> it would be yeah. I know. I don't know. It'd be very odd if if that's the. But why would you? Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. I mean, if you're going to do it, wear it on your sleeve, and you know, and it it can't possibly be that he thinks he's producing. You know, and he's he's he talks a good game on the rare occasions when he hears him speak with regard to diversity and and all that jazz. Um, but yes, yeah. Do you think- Some things never. I mean, it, that's what I was excited about. Um, season eleven is is it, it was going to be helmed by someone who's almost a contemporary and, and grew up loving the same stories as I did, and, mm. and probably the rest of you did. And you know what a fantastic opportunity! The, the, the Pertwee yeah. era is littered with bungling bureaucrats mm. on Earth. And God knows we've got a few of those at the moment. <laughs> exactly, Charles. Look at look at what's going on where we all around us at the moment. You know, you've got Chris Graylings and Well, yes, quite. And he reduces the structural problems that in our society that caused Brexit to a call centre joke. Mm. In, yes. In resolution of the Daleks. So what can we say? Mm. Okay, well, look, let's let's move on then to our, our last pairing, which is robots of death and Kablam. Hmm. Mm. So who was to kick that off? That was Mike's epic call, I think. Yeah. Um. I think uh, I uh, I wasn't involved in the discussion about Kablam, but for me, that was the story that sort of crystallised in my mind what was wrong with Series Eleven was because it was extremely disappointing, and I think towards the end, they, it 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 sort of moved along, and there was some genuine menace early on, but it just sort of got dissipated in this sort of wallowing in juvenilia really it just got it was just like everything was resolved too quickly and for me it summed up the whole of my feelings about um series 11 was because it was disappointing and you know there's the obvious parallels with robots of death um because of the the robots going around lurking around uh bumping people off 
Mm. Um, yeah, Lee Mack gets bumped off, unfortunately, off screen because I find him so annoying. It would have been nice to see him die, but I didn't. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. Um, but you know, but he really didn't have no, much of a no, part either. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it must be said. And um, oh, yeah, this one wasn't written by Chibnall, though. We must. It must be stressed. Um, it's the only one we're discussing from Series 11 that wasn't. But for me, it really did sort of make me realise about Series 11, what was disappointing. And, you know, Robots of Death was a great story that, um, you know, there were the... You know, early on, you didn't quite know what was going on, but you always thought that the robots were a bit creepy. And it's, it's the same here that the robots sort of lurking around, they're very creepy. Uh, and when you first look at them, you think... And you me- I think you're meant to feel like that, but then Robots of Death, you know, it just sort of develops into an actual sort of like a whodunit and um, who's going to go next, I tend to Indians really. Whereas Kablam just sort of sort of goes nowhere a bit. It makes that point about the sort of Amazon thing and about the about automation, people losing their jobs, but then it doesn't really go anywhere with that either, a bit like a lot of the, uh, the other stories. It just sort of starts off quite promisingly. Something seems about to happen and you think, oh yeah, this is interesting, and then it just sort of disappears and then it becomes a sort of yeah, a, a bit of a nothing story i'm not sure what mm. how everybody still feels that way about this story it was ultimately uh it was ultimate it, it was like arachnids in the uk i mean ultimately it's a human that's bad and a load of bubble wrap yeah and you had those mm. you, you had that robotic workforce that you know just like the robots in robots of death they they could have been quite sinister in the shadows and everything and yeah you know, mm. a big Big, big missed opportunity there, I think. Well, they were early on, very early on when you just sort of see them lurking around and you get this sort of uneasy creepiness that is similar to Robots of Death. But it just, just loses it. It's coming from a slightly different place, isn't it? And I might, I might just be being superficial here, but Robots was famous and it was the first time, really, they made such a success in making something sinister that wasn't sinister. It was supposed to be beautiful. Yes. Mm. They're placid, they're blank, mm. and they yeah. certainly inspire any emotion at all. We were supposed to look at them and think, oh, what attractive creatures these are. And then, and then they come out and you go, Oh, yeah. Whereas the, uh, the robots in Kablam are not impartial and passive. They're, they're designed to be cheerful mm. like this. Mm. It just why it reminds me more of um, certain space on history, in particular for the show. Yeah. That sort of comic book you feel. Yeah. It, it felt more to me like one of the latest stories than something of the I mean, funnily enough, also the, with with the robots in Robots of Death, they are supposed to be subservient, aren't they? They're supposed to be doing all the menial jobs while the humans get on and do the clever yeah. stuff. Mm. Whereas in in Kablam, it's the other way around. You know, the 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 humans are the are the menial ones, and it's the it's the robots and the the software that that are all the clever bits. Mm. Mm. It's tricky. I mean, I remember. I remember at the time saying I quite liked the fact the the sort of sent the twist of the end of the yeah the day the denouement as it were and I I quite liked the fact that they mm. they sort of went down the route of um, having it be the the revolutionary as it were being being the cause of the cause of the problem rather than but you know it's I li- I liked that at the time because you know I, I sort of I I praised that at the time because I thought okay they're dodging a cliche but then. Yeah, the more I think about it on reflection, and the more again one sort of sees 
the critiques of things again it's just like this is you know would the doctor really approve of leaving the status quo as it is yeah. and it feels like they didn't they didn't they didn't elaborate it and we don't you know and I know that certain I believe certain expanded universe stuff whether that's you know spin-off audios and things like that have have gone into the subject of what exactly the you know the the implications of what happened on the sand miner did to to that society on Kaldor, because if you have a robot, a society that's based on the belief that these robots can be relied upon for everything, it felt McCoyish to me. But it also felt like the other, the other thing it reminds me of putting the superficiality of the robots to one side. It also it feels like the Happiness Patrol, in that the but that but that the Doctor should turn up and basically start a revolution and bring down the entire mm. bring the bring down the entire system for the hell of it in one yeah. in one night. Oh, or, or the Sunmakers. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that too, yes, yes. Just because it fundamentally feels like the kind of thing... So, either the writers... With distance. Hmm. Either the writers don't think that sort of model would fly in the series, that they're all far too far gone now in the... Hmm. In this, like, this age, that we can just not understand what they're getting and what they're doing that sort of message. Or maybe the writers, I don't know... Is he a young man? Is he no, he's not that young. He's, he's uh, written Wentworth. I don't know. That's the prisoner, uh, prisoner cell block age. H. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So mm. he's. I don't think he's that young. I can't. Because I, I can't decide if it says something about if he's the point he's trying to make it. If it's just that he was avoiding cliche, so then for a slightly confusing plot twist, which doesn't make me think. You know, mm. Yeah. Yes, and of course it is, of course, the Scooby Doo ending too, isn't it? It was the caretaker all along. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, arguably Chris Boucher had a had a slightly easier um, ride of it with the Robots of Death in terms of the the story. Again, it is a that's very much is riffing on Gothic science fiction, Gothic, but it's nevertheless the same kind of same kind of thing, the Frankenstein type story of the creation. Well, that reminded, me of, a, that reminded me of a. Robots reminded me of an Agatha Christie. Yeah, it's ten, ten, ten little Indians. Yeah. Yes. And it, yeah. And also a, another parallel with um, Series Eleven is um, robot stuff. That had an amazing supporting cast. It had, you know had Russell Hunter and Pamela mm. Salem and people like that. Mm. And um, Series Eleven was heralded in the preview, we knew very little about the stories, but we knew all about the guest stars yes. who were mm. going to be in it. That seems to be a bit more of the the way it has been in recent years, though. You know more about who's in it rather than what they're actually going to be doing most of the time. Yeah. Hmm. I hate to say it again, but the, the guest cast of The Plan did feel a bit like a McCoy story. It had a comedian, a briefly, yes. straight acting in it. Mm. As somebody somebody from Cairo. <laughs> I, mean, I thought they were all, I'm not being disparaging, they were all very good the jobs but it's but, it, but that particular set mm-hmm. creates a different atmosphere to uh, it creates a non natural a slightly less naturalistic air, doesn't mm. it? So yes. Yeah. Probably suits the story, isn't it? Mm. I mean, on the one hand, we uh, on the other hand, we do get finally get to have the crew splitting up and having separate plot lines, which we were. Um, oh yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. yeah. It's well constructed. Oh, I thought it, I it was definitely the best constructed story. Mm. Up to that point, possibly, possibly mm. uh, getting back to yeah, what I was going to say with with regard to the Boucher thing was was he didn't necessarily have 
well, you know, the Gothic riff and so on, and it's also a somewhat standard golden age of sci-fi trope as well with regards to obviously, obviously Asimov and stuff like that being a um, yeah being being an obvious reference point mm-hmm. and. Basically, at the time when Batchelor was writing about it, yes, you, you could write a cautionary tale, but it wasn't anything that had to have any relevance to present-day society in the 1970s um, in terms of the threat, in terms of the threat of automation and, and yes, whereas now it has to mm, yes. So the villain in in Robots of Death, Taron Capel, is he's he's for the robots. I mean, he's he's sort of trying to help them. Is he? Yeah. Whereas, whereas Charlie's definitely for the people. He's 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 trying to get rid of the robots and mm. overthrow the the organization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you don't choke on your champagne, then. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's, 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 yes. Yeah. It's difficult. As, as I said, I applauded at the time for, for dodging a cliche, but on the other hand, it does rather. Leave a bad taste. What is everybody else doing? What is everybody else doing? You can imagine, and people have a great thing. The society that exists behind mm. the world of robots of death. Big Finish have done it. Big uh, the BBC books mm-hmm. and Calder City audios. It's, uh, they've all gone in different directions, but there's a big world that is painted mm. behind that small sandbar. I can't imagine what the hell is going on in the world of programs. No. If mm. if very few people need to work in this factory because of the automation. What's everyone else doing? They're just sitting around, uh, sitting around unemployed and feeding grapes to each other. Mm. What are they doing? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question. Mm, universal basic in- universal basic income. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a nice idea, but if that's mm. Well, that's the problem well, that's with the 50, the 50 minute format, isn't it? All, all we've, we've been looking back at the, the classic era and mm. you have four or six episodes over which to get to know the characters and even the support mm. cast. So people, you might take a dislike to in the support cast at the start. You actually grow to side with them, and you understand what they're about. And Paul, Paul's right in in things like um, Colony in Space. You you get to see why they're so desperate to colonise planets that are far away because the Earth's in such a desperate state. And yeah, you get to see what the Earth looks like. And 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 Paul's right. That would have been nice and kablam to see what you know what sort of lives people are living and. How Kablam's risen to the I think that's what the business was called how it's risen mm. to where it is that that would have been really interesting, but mm. you know there's not enough time is there in the... even in but even in modern who they've they've had an attempt in the past to get over that because normally when they they in the target scene at the beginning they look on the scanner and the doctor says something like, "Oh planet Earth the year seven 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 this is the third age of and they, the doctor's not possible. Mm. biography mm. of the time and place to set the scene in a few lines and um, I don't think we got that here, did we? No. Yeah, and the article, sort of 50, building. the article 50 extension still going on in the year 777 <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't yeah. quite sure where I was going with my made up year but I just I was enjoying mm. saying 7 so much I think yeah. Right, must be Yeah. So this bubble wrap as well, right? Oh, don't, so, God, so don't, get, don't get Richard started on the no. bubble wrap. So it's supposed to be ordinary bubble wrap. <laughs> and so someone has managed to hack into the machine that makes bubble wrap mm. and, and inject this strange gaseous substance that's highly explosive. Mm. So on the one hand, yeah, that's, that's incredibly ingenious. But on the other hand, isn't that extraordinarily dangerous? Because somehow they managed to get it 
okay so that so that they can manufacture it uh, and inject it in what during manufacturing yet you, you sneeze at it after manufacturing it has a huge mm. explosion mm. It, it, i don't know i mean as as a <laughs> As, as someone who's been involved in 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 manufacture and engineering a bit, it, that, that that seems like that's going to be quite hard. I mean, I mean, I could see how you could do it if you designed a factory to create this stuff. But if mm. you if you're trying to to hack into an existing factory, I don't know. It seems a bit um, tricky. Bubble bubble wrap always reminds me of the Ark in space and the. <laughs> on, his, on, on his hand. Is it, is it on Noah's on Noah's hand where he's turning into a wirren? Yeah. Bubble wrap reminds me of Red Dwarf. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining a completely different version of the end of Genesis of the Daleks with Davros squeezing a little between my fingers I have it. Yes. It's, it's, it's filled with marsh gas. It's a Robert Hall's fart joke in disguise. It's another one. <laughs> <laughs> It's not going very well for Series 11 in this matchup. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't want to, our listeners to think that it, we're always going to be rubbishing the uh, new series when we look at these matchups uh, in something new, but uh, unfortunately tonight that seems to be the way it's gone. Oh, I think I've mellowed a little bit, Richard. I, I've been, I've, I think um, Green, Green Death's one of my favourite ever stories, and um, the tenth season as well as a great season, but I've mellowed towards arachnids in the UK because of the there is a strong human interest side to it, and mm-hmm. those are the spiders. One was one of my favourites of series eleven. So, I'm being I'm being kind to it. Some some of them I just I'd just never watch again. But Arachnids in the UK, I'd happily sit down and watch again. There's a fair few I wouldn't watch again. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be expanding our remits well beyond. We I don't think we'll be revisiting series eleven for um for. A, Long time to come now, will we? No, it's, not, it's not so much fun when it's completely one sided. Much like more that. time to, um, yes, yeah, and there's much more. Um, there's there's a good 130 odd wherever we are. There's almost as many mm. new series episodes as there are old series stories, aren't there? So, yes, so I think we've got plenty to play with in the sandbox, really. That's sure. true. We did try to be fair tonight. We, we pitted series eleven against two classics and the keys of Merlin. <laughs> it's, like, it's not our fault if it couldn't even beat the keys of Merlin. This is it. Well, yes. <laughs> it's not not our fault that all those months and months and months of deliberations in the writers' room, with so many talented writers coming in and choosing ideas, and they still couldn't do better than. Terry Nation writing script in possibly less time than it actually took to watch. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, we've got a we've got a mouth watering prospect for our first something who proper because Ooh, we, 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 want to, we want to look we want to look at the new animation of the Macrotera, which uh, we're all I'm sure interested to see, and and Gridlock, of course, the uh, the uh, RTD era story that has the Macro in it as well. It does indeed. My fave. So I think uh, you know be- before we uh, we tire our listeners too much further, it's probably time for us to say our goodbyes, uh, leaving with that uh, interesting and tantalising prospect, and and we should be back with them within a month, I would hope, with our views on those two. Mm. BBC Worldwide allowing. Indeed, finally get this DVD although, out. Although if they're showing it on Saturday, you've got to feel that um, <laughs> it must be almost ready. Are to we going to talk about mm, the controversy? Unless the Robert jokes is going to be sitting in the, in the wings, drawing the funniest things. <laughs> <laughs> Fiercely drawing Troughton's messed up hair, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Down to shadow puppets. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Mm. Very good. Okay. Well, look. Thanks for uh, for for joining us this evening, Thank everyone. You. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Nice to, nice to get the old gang back together. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that equivocal sample. What a, what a week ending. Uh, <laughs> how, how can we lift things again? Should just say goodbye. How would you like to lift them, Paul? Have you got another sketch? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Fun, funnily enough, no. You, 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 you all love my sketches so much. Yeah. Oh, you no, do. do. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm just worried all these puns are going to build up inside you and you're going to burst and shout puns at the beginning. Just gotta throw in jokes yeah. during the actual recording of the something. Oh, I think that's what we should. Yeah. I think that's what we should do. Some yeah. yeah. Every time there's a lull in the conversation, yeah. like every. Yeah. Every 20 or 30 seconds. Yeah, rem- remember yeah. in the Grumpcast where I tried to put you and Tim off. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. By coming yeah. up with something outrageous. You know, just drop things in. Bye. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheerio. Well, Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Duggan. Yes, this is my daughter. <laughs> hey, guest appearance. Hello. Slide trombone. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. so yeah, Mike. That the the um, the line custom. It, well, it just has, just has to sound a bit like customs union. Oh, customs. Custom is that what it's supposed to be? Oh, custom union. Oh, did you say we're dropping these sketches? <laughs> we we are dropping them. <laughs> Okay. I'll, I'll just re- I'll reread it now. Okay, can you, can you cut and put you, it back in? Pun mountain. <laughs> so um, you want me to redo it? Uh, what do we, what do we? Should we? Do we want to redo the whole thing? No, no. Just redo that line, and you can drop it in. Can you? Yeah. Okay. Do it. Okay. Do it from. Yeah, yeah. Do it from that bit on. I think. So you do a backstop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A hand back right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A backstop? Yeah, listeners to both podcasts might get confused unless we're very distinctive. Our music, for instance, we might need to have a custom tune them. I can't say these words. Uh, I'm Australian, it's my fault. Um, Okay. Okay, I'll I'll read it again. Listeners to both podcasts might get confused unless we're very distinctive. Our music, for instance, we might need to have a customs tune in them. Is that better? <laughs> it was close, but uh, you say a custom tune in them. Tune in them, okay. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Just, just to get from We Might. Okay. Uh, we might just have a... What, uh, we might... Uh, start again. I <laughs> love it when we stuff up. Um, <laughs> we might need to have a customs tune in them. A custom shoot in them. <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make something out of that. Thank you. Sorry everybody. about that. For indulge, for indulge. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. Uh, uh, as, as Paul says, I write these ludicrous sketches <laughs> that, that, that nobody has any idea what they're supposed to mean, and putting you on the spot. So I think that's a, that's, that's a more than fair effort.